Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing song for the dreaming of the world That we may dream as one With every voice, with every song We will move this world along We've got a musical treat for today's Spirit in Action program. His name is Jim Scott, and he's a singer-songwriter in town for a concert, sparing me the trouble of tracking him down by phone. Jim is best known, perhaps, for the years he performed as part of the Paul Winter Consort. I invited Jim to join me for Spirit in Action because so much of his music blends social action, environmentalism, and peace work with his Unitarian Universalist spirituality. In fact, some of his songs are in the UU hymnal and in many other places. I feel quite fortunate to be able to grab Jim Scott for a Spirit in Action interview while he's here in Eau Claire. Jim, I'm so glad you could join me today for Spirit in Action. It's nice to be here. Thanks. A lot of your music is very spiritually in tune, spiritually focused, and there's also a significant layer of activism, I guess, being connected with Unitarians, which I guess you are. I don't know that for sure. But I think that the two are woven together in the same way that they are for me as a Quaker, that your beliefs, they need to be lived out in the world. Did you start with Unitarians way back? Are you Unitarian born and raised, or did you grow into it? I like to say I'm old enough to be one you before the two yous got together. The Unitarian Universalist tongue twister came together. The two churches merged in 1960. I started at the Universalist Church of Norwell, Massachusetts. And just last week I played in Norwell at the UU Church down the street from there and got to remember all of that stuff. And at that point... I wasn't so aware of the history, certainly as a little kid, I wasn't aware of the history of the human rights and, you know, labor and all, all kinds of things. The universalists had a long history with activism, with suffrage, and equality, racial things, all of that. But I'm proud of all that now. Then I do recall my dad telling me when I was little, it was explaining to me that a loving God, however we, you know, if there is one, however we see that, we believe that a loving God would not sentence people to an eternity of damnation, and, and there there is no hell in the universalist belief. Uh, you make that for yourself, is the way the universalists would put it, I guess. And somehow you got involved in activism along the way. Were you raised to go on on protest marches, be part of the civil rights movement? Was that all part of your childhood? It was in a way. I'd say, you know, probably I got as much from TV <laughs> that I, I think many of us did in the 60s. You know, we felt we were right there, but of course we were we were seeing it on TV <laughs> sometimes. But my family certainly had a, a history of some of that. My dad was an activist. You did mention to me earlier, Jim, that you did do your turn in the Army. How did that come about? I think coming from this kind of 
peace and justice-centric religion that you grew up in, maybe you would have been less disposed to join the military. I think I kind of got swept into it at a moment. I went to Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York, and we did sit on the, some of us sat on the front porch sometimes and played folk music with guitars and stuff, but that really wasn't I don't think it was even much respected at the at a school like that, but you know, classical music or jazz or uh, other forms of high music were being studied in a sort of rarefied atmosphere there. So I often say it took me years to undo some of that and just be the guy who was willing to bring a guitar somewhere and sing songs. And one thing led to another, meeting this or that folk singer, you know, luminaries, Pete Seeger and certainly others inspired me to this idea that that it's a tradition that we're carrying on of singing. It's a, a health practice. It's a peace practice for communities, for families to, to sing together. But the, the Army, to get back to that thing, I ended up in the Army band because a lot of people who went to a school where you'd end up with a degree in music, it was kind of a known thing that you could go audition for one of these army bands, and particularly the Washington bands. We seemed to pour graduates of Eastman and uh, schools like Indiana and University and other great music schools. You knew if you had a degree from there, you could go audition for one of these bands, and you could probably get in and you'd get a job. They give you a letter that guarantees you, you hope, <laughs> you'll, you'll go through basic training and then, you, then you're going to play guitar. And I got in this jazz band, and it was a great learning experience for a couple of years. It was a big band that we generated a lot of our own music. Arrangers in the group, me included, wrote a lot of stuff for the band. And uh, so I played Army Issue electric guitar and went around to high schools, colleges, prisons, parks. That was what we did. But what's the purpose of that kind of music? If you're in the Army, is it supposed to be you know, a marching tune like Sousa and you're supposed to get people marching down to the recruiter's office? I've thought of that a whole lot. And maybe if I had it to do over again, knowing what I know now versus you know where I was, then I might not have chosen that or I might have chosen a more activist path. But at the time, it was... I was feeling um, like I still had a lot to learn, and there were great musicians that I knew that were doing just that. I thought, well, this can't be that terrible a place to be. And I know it's it's a soft recruiting tool in a way to go out there and play. The band is out there playing. But we weren't going around saying, join the Army. We weren't going around saying, war is a good thing. At the time, I, I talked to people who were conscientious objectors and said, well, how does that work? Do you think we just shouldn't have police or we shouldn't, you know, intellectual discussions like that? And I was at a place where I thought I believed that, but I'd been told by people how difficult it was going to be to get a conscientious objector status or, you know, all the trouble you could go through. And here was maybe a little bit of a cop-out, I guess, that here I'm going to be playing guitar or whatever it might have been that I'd end up doing music in the army. I knew I definitely didn't want to go have to make the choice of killing people. So I I was pretty clear about all of that. But I guess if I had maybe been around the right people, which I wasn't at the time, I might have done something differently. But, you know, I thought of it as a public service vehicle in a certain way, It changed my life in high school that the Boston Navy Yard Band and the Coast Guard Band came and played at my high school. And I remember being, I can still remember those concerts, that they were real professional musicians and it was exciting and 
it didn't make me want to join the army. I was a musician, and I saw real musicians playing. So it was, it was really this great education. And as I was going around to high schools doing that with the army band, I thought we were doing the same. If we'd had to do, you know, a join the army and patriotic something, uh, I might have felt differently about it. And I'm, I'm not opposed to the patriotic, but I'm... Uh, I have pondered about what was the music that Hitler was using to march the people off to war. You know, it definitely can be used that way. Music art can be perverted into a tool for war and for hate. And a song could be telling us that we're the chosen few and so on. And, and I'm not a singer of those songs. Well, what direction did you go? You got out of the army and somehow you got to a place where today I'd describe it as You've got a very spiritually based music for healing between people and with the earth. How did you get there from the army? Well, I got out of the army early to go back to school, and I got a graduate assistantship to lead the jazz band and teach guitar as a grad assistant at University of Maryland. So I was back in the classical music world again and began to make a living by just playing music in nightclubs and you know playing in bar bands and all of that and played every different kind of music there too which was good training i even wrote some jingles and radio thing or played did studio work around uh, mostly around washington dc and just trying to be a professional musician and in that time i was seeing this happen that happened there were big peace marches uh you know getting to see peter yarrow and pete seeger and odetta and other folks like that those folks that influenced me a lot to wow this is exciting i love what they're doing and they're, they're they're expressing this stuff or singing those songs that i kind of knew from childhood or carrying on this tradition i loved it and i decided that worked better for me and at, at a certain point there was actually a commercial a political commercial that I could have been paid a lot of money to do the music for. And I actually just said, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to help that cause. About what year are we talking about? Uh, 72 or 3. And I was, you know, I was still, I'm old, but I, I was still a kid then. <laughs> and I was starting to make the choices, this doesn't make sense to me. And, and post-Vietnam, Watergate, all of that, I found it, somewhat hard to live in the world. I knew other veterans that either had become rabid peace activists educating for peace or other, at least one or two I knew directly that were struggled with being homeless or not working, drug addiction, other stuff like that. Because the army in that era was just dumping people out on, on the street. So I knew I had certain... Uh, animosities to work out <laughs> at that point about all of that and drove me into um, writing some songs that were more more activist and more outspoken but it was actually the paul winter consort i playing in bars and all of that i kind of got rescued by the paul winter consort i had decided to go back to school and had enrolled at berkeley college of music in boston when I heard that Paul Winter was looking for a guitar player, and I sent an audition tape and nothing happened, but it was later that I actually got to meet him in person and, and we, I think, struck up a connection right away. And I liked what we were doing. We were doing some music that had significance, some social political stuff, particularly about the earth, and Paul was, at that time, I think, growing into doing much more environmental, ecological messages 
And it's a good trick to get ecological messages into mostly instrumental music, where we did have the song Common Ground as the title song of an album, but that album had some songs and, and instrumental music of a number of different world cultures and then had the voices of animals, a wolf and a whale and an eagle. The wolf actually howls the melody that becomes the melody of the song or the whale melody becomes the melody of the song. So the animal is actually composing a bit of this piece that was a mixture of songs and instrumentals, though as we went on, the Winter Consort did a lot of predominantly instrumental music. And I was still thinking I was a guitar player, particularly. Though Paul did encourage me to sing more songs, and he'd say, sing that song about such and such, you know, go out and start the second set, and just sing, a, you know, I'd sing a solo song. That was fun. So he was really setting me up to get out on a stage with thousands of people and do that and the song Common Ground sold a lot of albums and wasn't a single but <laughs> it was almost a hit song you know that that is still something I I still love to sing it Ivan Lintz wrote the melody beautiful samba tune so that was kind of, it wasn't my song but it's sort of become my song over the years well we probably should listen to it since it's one that you've been passing on to the world the song is Common Ground and it's by my guest for today's Song of the Soul, Jim Scott. Voices are calling round the earth Music is rising in the sea The spirit of morning fills the air Guiding my journey home Where is the path beyond the forest? Where is the song I always knew? I remember it just around the bend In the village the music never ends In a circle of friends In a circle of sound All our voices will blend When we touch common ground Where is the melody we need? There is a certain harmony Even a rhythm in the trees In the song that we've always known As every road comes to its end So every path must cross again Now I'm returning to my heart Back to the song that is our own in a circle of friends In a circle of sound All our voices will blend When we touch common ground
wake is rising in the sea. The spirit of morning fills the air, guiding my journey home. Here is the path beyond the forest. Here is the song I always knew. I remember it just around the bend. In the music, the village never ends. In a circle of friends, in a circle of sound, all our voices will blend when we touch common ground. In a circle of friends, in a circle. That was Common Ground performance by Jim Scott, and it's a song that he used to do with the Paul Winter Consort back in the good old days. How long were you with them, Jim? Well, I started to play with the Winter Consort in 77 and played till 84, 85 all the time, and we had a, a band that was more or less the same players through a lot of that time. Then there was kind of a change, and Paul took some time off. He had a different band after that. I played on and off when we did our bigger things, like we had a the Missagaya Earth Mass, a big choral piece that we did a few times a year. So I would go back and do those up through 91 or so I was playing a few times a year. Was that a desirable transition for you? Was it something you wanted to do, to move to that kind of atmosphere? Well, I think so. In in a way, I, I think it was a path that sort of opened up for me. And for a while to trade on the guy who played guitar with the Paul Winter concert was something I, that was often promoted. And I started out in those years, uh, or even while I still played with the Winter Consort, I played concerts that were two-thirds guitar instrumentals and a few songs, and then I wrote more songs, and I wrote more songs, and more wrote more songs. Nowadays, I sing most of a concert, and I have to kind of remind myself that it would be nice to play a guitar instrumental here and there. It's become, I guess, a different kind of work. But that was intentional, I think, to kind of choose the folk realm, for lack of a better word, whatever that is. So that's been an audience that has been open to my music, where occasionally I'm playing in something that's more of a, what you might say, a jazz setting or playing with a group, or some more fine arts settings where I, if I do the choral works that I've written and so on, it's more of a classical audience. And I've never quite figured that out, and maybe that's not good marketing, but... Uh, I have wear several hats. Are there other songs that you carry with you from your days with the Paul Winter Consort that you still perform? Well, A Song for the Earth is a song of the water cycle, I say the circulatory system of the earth, and we recorded it with the Winter Consort. I used, that was a song I would play every night with the consort, and Paul particularly said, well, you got to get that song in, you know, we'll, we'll play that, and had a nice consort arrangement of that with weaving instruments in it in a kind of Baroque way. That started with acid rain or toxic things that are into the water and what humans have done to mess up the water cycle, and then, but in the end, an optimistic end to the song that the trees still strive to grow and they watch generations come and go. 
So that's a song I, I love to sing, an anthem of mine, of ecological consciousness. And the song is A Song for the Earth by Jim Scott. As the rain sifts through the trees It threatens nature's ancient harmony Sing this song for the earth The tainted river struggles to the open sea Defiled is the mountain's majesty All of life is a chance Offering this song for the earth The sea is where all life begins The ocean is our origin If she dies
the trees still strive to grow Watching generations come and go Green and tall The land is theirs Feeding the soil Clearing the air Living their song A song for the earth Jim Scott, A Song for the Earth, one that he did back with the Paul Winter Consort days and one that he still carries forward with him. Jim, if people hear that song, what's the change that you would hope that they might do in their lives? I hope uh, there there are songs of mine that are more outspoken, um, I say world-saving, take-your-medicine kind of songs that, that maybe preach a little bit more, you know, we need to do this and so on. I think it's also important just to celebrate what is beautiful, what is amazing, what is fragile about this whole thing, and a song that just holds up that beauty or celebrates that ideal is a better motivation than a harangue, usually. And for me, a more timeless kind of thing. I have many friends of, of you know great songwriters that I know of that write topical songs and will even toss off a song that's good for a few months about something current and really contemporary. And I don't do that too much. I think the songs are more long-term philosophy. I mean, I don't have uh, songs railing against the current administration or something. It's more about human nature would be the way I would express the same thing. So I guess if they hear this song and they understand both something about the beauty of the earth, the living body that we live within, and about our nature and how we deal with the other living beings that we come face to face with, I suppose that's one step towards getting us to, I guess, be accountable for our actions. You mentioned that you were inspired by Pete Seeger and like folks, people who are up there engaging with the audience, getting the audience to sing, putting words in their mouths, maybe. Certainly environmental is kind of a safe, unifying issue. Were there also things about the hot-button issues of the day that you started singing out about? Maybe peace and nuclear, other things like that? Now that you mention all this, Pete Seeger uh, certainly was an influence, and one of the songs on our list here to cover is a song that I wrote after a rally that was in New York City where I saw Pete Seeger do the magic that he does and uh, we actually played with him some of the members of the Winter Consort at the time and you know he knows more about music than he lets on he dashed off a quick little lead sheet to a song for us all and I kind of knew it but the other folks the cellist and the oboist in the group you know oh that's the song okay and they could play along with him but he'll talk like every man, in such a wonderful way. And he's got a song for just what ails you all the time. Oh, you need a song about that? Okay, he can do that. And I thought 
that particular day, it was hot. We walked a long way up Riverside Drive to, to Riverside Church, and and I'd say, and it was New York. What can I say? I I think a lot of the people were generally in a grumpy mood, and it seemed that we needed the cheering up that Pete Seeger was able to to do at that time, and and he lifted people up. And I thought we need a song like this, a, a, a keep on keeping on song. I said, in the, in in the song, it says, "I know we all get tired." It was a rally about the nuclear plant just up the Hudson River from from New York and safety issues about, you know, certainly some people saying we should just close it down, all of that. And I thought, we need a song that says, still the sun will shine, the sun, solar power, still the sun will shine, long after those nuclear things are gone, those human things, still the sun will shine. And don't worry, the winds and the tide will change just as the moon will surely turn from full to old to new to again. The pendulum swings, keep on going, we can make the changes. Uh, so that's, it's got uh, references to nuclear and toxic and other things like that in the song, but, but a healing message, I hope, and a, a keep on keeping on message, as I said.
for the poor For sure the strong believe they will survive But what price to feel secure And must it cost so many lives All sorts into plowshares But when we have the choice We cry for peace as we prepare for war Will no one hear our voice? But still the sun will shine And the winds and the tides will change Just as the moon will surely turn From full to old to new again But still the sun will shine And the winds and the tides will change Just as the moon will surely turn from full to old to new again. Jim Scott's song, Still the Sun Will Shine. And we can be thankful for that much of a promise. It, it is hard when we get lost in all the mess that's around us and all that needs to be done. In a kind of surprising way, it's healing to realize how powerless we are <laughs> and that there are bigger forces at work. You were in the military, Jim. When you came out of the military, did you want to sing peace songs right away? When did you transition to the point where you could be singing songs about peace? Well, you know, we sang peace songs in the military. <laughs> and maybe it's worth mentioning. It's funny, I, I said before, I, don't, I really don't get on the subject of the Army. That's sort of ancient history for me now. But, uh, but it was a learning experience to be in the Army band. But the people I knew that were in the Army uh, around Washington, D.C., I didn't know anybody that swore war was a good thing or, you know, even I didn't hear much of anything that was pro-Vietnam. As a matter of fact, most of the military people I knew said, oh, it's a big mess. You know, if you, if you end up going there, just take care of yourself. In the long run, there are people, and I admire them greatly, who you know are willing to do what they do for the cause of peace or to be a policeman or whatever that is, to be a warrior. I can admire that. But I didn't hear anybody say good stuff about that, and people weren't talking about the glory of it at all. I never heard anything like that. And certainly not the people I was around. Many of us went to the big demonstrations in Washington. You just wear civilian clothes. You're still a U.S. citizen. You're allowed to express yourself you know we would be advised you don't wear your army uniform down to the down to the demonstration but you're allowed to go on your off time you know men i mentioned that because many people might not know that that it really was a pretty divisive time i know families that were divided between you know the real peacenik kid on one side and the kid who goes into the military on the other side and you know all kinds of good ideological arguments 
over the dinner table, I'm sure, or things that divided families and, and hate even is not out of the question there, and misunder- great misunderstanding. But almost anybody I knew, they're obviously for peace. Maybe our, our, our methods are different. And that's the problem for me, is when we start talking about the goal of peace, people say, oh, yeah, I agree with that. That's why we have the peacemaker missile. Then what I've learned to put into my art now and to put into my my rap about it is A.J. Musty's famous saying, there is no way to peace, but peace is the way. That peacemaker missile is not the way for me. <laughs> the military now is not the military solution or the war solution is not the way for me now. The way is by starting with peace. The peace is the way. I had said to you before we started this interview, I took a long, it was a long journey to come from the rarefied atmosphere of a music school and all of that to being a guy who was willing to just bring the guitar to help be a cheerleader for peace for one thing or another. And I got enamored with that. I was so moved by the folks who went on the Great Peace March in 1986. And I don't want to claim that I was on the whole thing at all, but I, let's make sure we say that. I didn't go on the whole nine-month walk across the United States that was called the Great Peace March. But I was so taken by these people when I met them. 650 people walked the whole way, 15, 20 miles a day, camping, going through towns, cities, over mountains, deserts, you know, walking symbolically. Of course, they were support vehicles and all of that. But I played concerts a few times along the way for these people. And I was so taken, I had to walk some of the time. And so I wrote the song, Nothing But Peace Is Enough, walking down the street in in Baltimore one week before the end of the Great Peace March, walked from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C., back there in 1986. I was walking along with people who were singing old Beatles songs and other stuff, and there was, you know, the stretched a mile down the street, we don't all sing one song. This group is singing this, and this group is singing that, and songs move you along. And sometimes people are walking in silence, too, of course. But a good 4-4 walking song <laughs> was, uh, this, this little mantra came to me, nothing but peace is enough for me, kind of like ain't nothing but a party or something, you know, nothing but peace is enough. And the more I thought about it, it, it had a ring, not the goal of peace, you know, over yonder, after a while, over Jordan, you know, gone to live with Jesus, nothing but peace, didn't have the word now in there, but nothing but peace is enough, said that to me in a way. And then the verses evolved about uh, we can't just do this once in a while, got to do it all the time. So it's a walk, in, uh, a peace march song. Nothing but peace is enough for me. Nothing but peace is enough. Nothing but peace is enough. Nothing but peace is enough for me. Say it. Nothing but peace is enough for me. Nothing but
Pieces Enough by Jim Scott, and I imagine our listeners are going to be walking down the street singing that to themselves. You are listening to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. I'm your host for this Northern Spirit Radio production, and our guest is Jim Scott, and he's in town here in Eau Claire for a concert this evening, and as a matter of fact, we're going to have to tie this up pretty quick and get over to the church so you can get warmed up. But we've still got a couple more songs we'd like to include that are a bit about the work, the peace, environmental justice type work that certainly runs throughout your music. Where shall we go next, Jim? Well, this song is certainly more introspective. I uh, tied together one day this juxtaposition of hearing the news of Iraq and Afghanistan and of Somalia and the suffering brought by by wars, the haves and the have-nots, and the religious differences, and all the things that bring us to hate and misunderstanding. And I also tied that in with some real-life experience with more than one person that I know that lives in this privileged, wealthy country of the United States and lives in a war zone. A war zone, perhaps, in their own mind, or a war zone in their own family. And so this song sings of that. And the song is? 
The song's called I Am Waiting, and we'll see. It's not me waiting. I'm playing a role. I Am Waiting by Jim Scott. I am waiting in the silence I am waiting for the dawn I am often found in reverence Though from many sources drawn It is not mine to fight for justice For it will not be won this day I am peace and I am waiting for the lost to find their way You'll not find me set in judgment of the vain or of the weak but I With the solace that they seek Still I have not fed the hungry Nor strewn wealth among the poor I am peace and bring but mystery And the patience to endure I Jim Scott's my guest here today for Spirit in Action. And peace has been waiting a long time. I wonder how many of our listeners know the old Greek play Lysistrata. You know, 500 B.C., we're waiting for peace. And certainly with the recent election, some of us have hopes that we're going to take another step closer to that. Well, I think we've got time for one more song, Jim. Where shall we go for our closing song? Well, this is a bit of the folk process stealing a piece from here and a piece from there and putting it together into a song. 
something that I haven't really done that much, but learning from Pete Seeger, who would take the words of this and put that with the melody of that and, and change it around, you know, even Beethoven taking, why did he take that folk song for the theme of the Ninth Symphony? It wasn't something I had done. I, I just always thought, well, I'm just write a new thing. But this just came to me kind of backwards that what is the refrain of this song was a Russian melody that we'd done with the Paul Winter Consort, and it's a Russian derivation. I'm not exactly sure about it. But the words in English just bugged me. They were not a complete sentence. They mixed singular and plural, and they said if, and then they never said what after that. So I just thought, I have to fix that. And then I got carried away, and I like to say, in a rush of irrational exuberance. I added two verses to the song so that now that 16 bars of the Russian melody is the refrain of the song. And it kind of slipped from Russia to Brazil. Not sure how that happened. I believe the song, when you were doing it with the consort, was Hymn for the Russian Earth. What do you call your song? Yeah, we named it Hymn for the Russian Earth at that time. Paul had made a trip to Russia, and uh, this Russian melody came to us, I believe. Susan Osborne brought the song, uh, and we learned it that day and just uh, made a quick arrangement of the song. So it was starting from that, that it evolved, and I've always loved the melody, and then now it's become half of my song, called May Your Life Be As A Song. My wish for you as now we part Is for greater peace to fill your heart With dreams as vast as starry space So hurt and anger know no place May truth be shared and wounds be healed And joy for living be revealed through every fate and circumstance May hope lead weary steps to dance And may your life be as a song Resounding with the dawn To sing awake the light Then softly serenade the stars Ever dancing circles in the night May fears be turned with keen insight To wisdom for what's just and right Where sorrow grows, compassion strong And pains will pass before too long May the bounds of our diversity Serve a richer harmony May courage hold your heart so true To smile on love when it smiles on you And may your life be as a song Sounding with the dawn To sing awake the light Then softly serenade the stars Ever dancing circles in the night Serenade the stars If 
That was May Your Life Be As A Song, another wonderful song by Jim Scott, and he's doing a concert at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation here in Eau Claire, and uh, you can look for him soon. I'm going to have him back soon as a guest for my Song of the Soul. I want to thank you so much for joining me, and I want to free you to go over to perform another concert real soon. Please come back soon, Jim. Well, thanks, Mark. It's been a pleasure, and let's head for the concert. Thank you. That was my guest for today's Spirit in Action, Jim Scott. And you can find out more about him on his site, jimscottmusic.com. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every-